Good Monday morning. This morning, I have a special guest here to greet you on the podcast. If you go to our church, you know who she is. You're familiar with her beautiful face and her happy spirit. Can you tell everybody your name? Noelle. This is Noelle Stancil, our second-born daughter. And Noelle, how old are you? Six. Six. And she is a blessing. I often am... uh, treasured to have somebody with me during the day, one of my children and uh, one of my assistants just today. She was unwrapping some things and stacking some things, emptying out trash. She's a big, big help. And she's also very wise. She's super smart because just a minute ago, I asked her who her favorite preacher was. And here's what she said. Noah, who's your favorite preacher? Yeah. Oh, what a smart girl. There's a good girl. Here's your ice cream. I'm just kidding. She said that all on her own. Okay, I'm going to let her go sit on the other side of the room, and I'm going to pull out my Bible here. And if you have your Bible, good job, Noel. Thank you. If you have your Bible, Psalm chapter number two. So last week we were in Psalm one, and this week we're in Psalm two. It says, why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. That is verse number six. There's 12 verses in the chapter. Psalm chapter two is the very first of many messianic psalms. While Psalm chapter one was all about meditation and um, the here and now, it was practical in every way. Psalm two is as well, but it's a lot of prophecy. It's a lot of prophecy about Jesus. When we say something is a messianic psalm or a messianic passage, it just means that it's a prophecy about Jesus, the Messiah, you see. And so that's what it's talking about. We know that David is the author of chapter two. Some have said it's an anonymous uh, psalm, but we know actually from Acts chapter four that it was David who wrote it. If you were here last year at Mountain View, you know that our theme for the year last year was, and when they had prayed, we emphasized prayer last year. And let me say that that emphasis should never go away in your life. But in the sermons, we emphasized a little more on prayer. And our main verse was Acts 4, verse 31, which says, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. What a wonderful verse. But in that prayer, in that very chapter, in that prayer that that verse references, and when they had prayed, they actually quoted a little bit of Psalm chapter 2. Now, this is awesome. So Peter and John, just to refresh your memory, Peter and John, they had gone to the church and they had brought word that they had just been in prison, they had just been let go, but they had been threatened that we, that they, that everyone should not teach or preach anymore in the name of Jesus or else. Verse 23 of Acts 4 says, And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them, which was, don't do it or else. And when they had heard that, the church, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which hast made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. That's a great start to a prayer, a worship, a praise, a, 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 an acknowledgement of the power of God. Verse 25, who by the mouth of thy servant, David, has said, 
Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. So they're acknowledging that David was the author of that chapter way back in Psalm 2, that psalm that talked about Jesus. And what the church is referring to here, this fact, is the same fact that David was referring to in his present day and also what he was prophesying and what we deal with today. And that is this, an amazing thing. And it's a recurring theme throughout the the second chapter of Psalms, Psalm chapter two, is the audacity and the confidence of man against God. And also, here's another amazing thing that always goes along with that, and that is the long-suffering of God at the same time. Why do the heathen rage, he's asking. Why do they rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Thank you for turning. If you're turning, go back to Psalm 2. That's verse number one, which David, we know. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Now, the word heathen there, uh, it means Gentile. It just means non-Jew. When we use it today, we mean the same thing that David did, essentially, that people, it's referring to people who do not serve the true God, Jehovah God. Um, he's referred to in the Bible many times, often, over and over again as the God of Israel. You know, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And he's saying, why do the heathen or the unbelievers, we could plug that in and understand, why do the unbelievers, why do they rage and the people imagine a vain thing? Now, again, this is a prophecy which will uh, delve into a little bit more later on in the week, Lord willing. But we can ask that today. Why do the heathen rage? You look around at the world, at an unbelieving world, and they're not only happy in their unbelief, they rage. They're not only doing wrong, they're raging. Rage means violent, noisy. It's very bold and confident in what you're doing. You're raging. You're not just happy to, you know, do your secret sin, which again, all all sin is is wicked before God, but they're raging in their position of wickedness and unbelief. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? This is plural, people, as in many nations, united in their goal, their plans to go against God. But I want you to notice a word there, vain. The people imagine a vain thing. That word vain, I'm sure you know, it means empty. It means for nothing. When you fight against God, when you go against the will of God, it's all wasted time and energy. It really is. Don't, don't waste another day. There have been people that, that come back to the Lord and just here this last Sunday, a man yesterday rededicated his life to the Lord publicly, and I rejoice in that. I think a lot more people need to do that need to put a stake in the ground and say, this is where I stand. This is who I am. Build an altar, so to speak, stack some stones and say, here I raise mine Ebenezer, hither by thy grace I've come. I am a Christian. I am following Christ with my life. I'm not just praying the prayer and saying, Lord, please save me. And then living like the devil, I'm going to be separated for Christ. Any time spent away from the will of God is for nothing. Everybody who's ever come back to Christ has wished that they'd never left. Everybody, everybody. The Bible says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way he should go. And when he is old, he'll not depart from it. 
you Christian mother and father who have raised your children sincerely and authentically and raised them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, and you have somebody who is rebelling right now, and they they truly trusted Christ and they're rebelling, they're away from the Lord, they'll be back. But when they do come back, and if you're that person right now and you happen to be listening, you're that person who's away from the Lord, you'll be back and you'll wish you'd never left. You'll wish you'd never left. Wasted time, wasted time. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? This is the audacity of a man of a man who's an unbeliever and the man who's a rebel that they would fight against the creator. How can the creature fight against the creator? And that's a big contrast between Psalm 1, the godly believer, what he's meditating on, what he's thinking about, and then the heathen. They imagine, they think about a vain thing, something that's going to produce nothing. The blessed believer meditates upon the word. The raging heathen meditates upon rebellion. And David says, why? Why? You know, sometimes I get confused as well. Me, myself, here, Jonathan, I get confused. I read the paper and I, get, I just get so confused. I mentioned this in church maybe two or three weeks ago about how now in the United States of America, you can choose as your gender on your passport X. Neither male nor female, but just the gender X. Not that nor that, but who knows? Just X. And I say, why? I'm just, I get confused. I get confused when a person hears the gospel and chooses to reject it. Why? Why, why would you want to reject the Lord? Why, why would you want to pay for your own sins? I, I ask why when a believer hears a sermon against sin and chooses to continue in that sin. Why? I ask why when a Christian makes a life decision for themselves or their family based upon money or comfort or anything other than what God wants them to do. Why? It's vanity. It's vanity of vanities to struggle against the Lord to disobey the Lord, to live any time whatsoever apart from the Lord. But you know, in sincerity, I've also asked myself that question, and I ask it pretty regularly. I'll go and do something, or I'll think something, and then I'll immediately say, why'd I do that? I know better. I know better. Why? Vanity. Listen, imagine you had two mutual funds that you invested in regularly. You were saving for retirement. One always did well. Solid rate of return. It fluctuated with the market, yes, but it always did well eventually. And you could see that result. You knew that when you retired, it was going to be there. The other mutual fund always lost. Every time you invested, eventually, pretty soon, it was all gone. Gone, gone, gone. Then there were fees on top of that. Eventually, you would say, why am I putting any of my resources into this vain fund? And you would say, I'm not doing it anymore. Christian, can I challenge you? Right now, decide I'm not going to spend one more moment, one more day, one more hour living for self, imagining a vain thing, but I'm going to live for the Lord. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not live our life for vanity, to not be as the heathen, but to meditate upon the word like we learned last week and understand that anything other than what you have for us living for you is vanity. In Jesus' name, amen.